Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. Anyone who wants to be president has to come through New Hampshire first, and no one covers New Hampshire politics like WMUR. I'm WMUR political director Adam Sexton, and we hope you can join us every week for this podcast. And even by Washington standards, it was a dramatic week. The House launched an impeachment inquiry into President Trump over his request to a foreign leader to investigate the business dealings of Joe Biden's son. And with that, the 2020 presidential race has taken on a new dimension. Several Democratic candidates for the White House serve on Capitol Hill. It could play key roles in this process in the months ahead. One of them is Cory Booker, who joins us this morning for Close Up. Senator? It's always good to be with you. It's Thanks for being here. last week at the Politics and Eggs. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yes. So we've seen the notes of the transcript of the call We've now seen the whistleblower's complaint. Uh, you attended uh, one of the most prestigious law schools in the world. So can you explain this in layman's terms? Are there any laws that the president or his appointees broke, or what aspects of the Constitution do you believe he violated? Well, the president is endowed with, is given a massive public trust to use that office. We swear an oath to defend and protect the Constitution. And to use our office is not for our own personal gain, but to use it to uh, further the interests of this nation. And this seems to be clearly a case where you had a president of the United States who, at a time that one of our allies, Ukraine, is under attack. I've been to eastern Ukraine, met with their military leaders, and heard the sadness of their, the sophistication of the Russian attacks and the deaths of their fellow soldiers. And so we decided in a bipartisan manner to give them resources to defend themselves against Russian aggression, which we're seeing in our country in a cyber way. And so what did our president do? Did he pursue our interests? Did he uh, uh, implement that aid? No, he used his leverage to try to uh, get that Russian lead, excuse me, that Ukrainian leader to do his political bidding and for a very narrow way. So this wasn't him pursuing national security interests or economic interests. This is him violating the, the congressional intent, violating the oath of office to uh, try to advance his political agenda. Republicans, some of them are at least saying this is nothing. The Democrats are overreaching yet again uh, for a president that they hate. Why are they wrong? Well, again, first of all, it's not all Republicans. I have colleagues of mine in the Senate who are treating this in a sobered manner. This is actually a very sad time for America when you see someone uh, that has this kind of cloud hanging over them that they did something that's such a betrayal. So I think that we are at the beginning of this. There is a lot more to come out. That, that whistleblower report names a lot of other individuals who should testify for Congress. Let's not be partisans right now. Let's be patriots and let's be sober. I don't care if you're a Democrat and, and gleeful to see Donald Trump in trouble. That's not the spirit we need. We need to follow the evidence where it goes. And as the picture develops, remember, when Nixon's allegations came out, Republicans fell into pretty strong partisan ranks. But as the evidence came out and more people saw a clear picture of a betrayal of his oath, more and more Republicans defected and he resigned before he was impeached. Those partisan trench works are much deeper in the modern era, though. I, I get your point. You're saying politics should be kept out of this, but this is all happening in a political context of the 2020 election, of which you are a big time participant. So if the end goal is to unseat Donald Trump or ensure that he's not the president in 2021, do you think it's taking a risk politically to move forward in this direction of impeachment? Well, I, I just say in this the area, in my heart, it's segmented and politics be damned. Because I stood on the Senate floor and swore an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. I can't filter this through what's a political advantage or not. I've got to deal with this objective of that. And even if it means doing things that politically might have risks to it, like impeaching him. I should stand with the Constitution because the long shadow of history, the eyes of history are going to look back on this moment. When we were in a constitutional crisis, what did you do? 
we look back at the Nixon Republicans who stood up for the right thing now and, and look at them with honor and respect. We are all Americans before we are a party. We, we've gotten to too tribalistic point at this nation. Let's stop and begin to do what's in the best interest of our nation. As a guy on the Foreign Relations Committee that travels around the globe to see how the Russians are doing more and more to undermine Western democracy, this deals with that. And we need to do what's right to protect our nation, stand up with our allies, and defend ourselves. If the president has betrayed that, he should be held accountable no matter what the politics. You set up a fundraising deadline for yourself, $1.7 million by September 30th, or you said you might have to leave the race. Now, you, to this point, essentially, you've done everything you can in New Hampshire. You've built the organization. Uh, you've brought on a lot of endorsements. You gave a rousing speech at the state party convention that generated a lot of buzz. Uh, so you're doing everything, essentially like that football team. You're running the ball and running the ball and running the ball, and you're starting to see some progress maybe in the third quarter. This fundraising pitch feels, feels a little bit like a Hail Mary. Is there desperation here? Well, it's not desperation. As a guy who's actually caught some Hail Marys in my day uh, and won some football games, it's just a truth-telling that, hey, it, it is. Uh, we have a long way to go, and we don't have the resources to get all the way there. We've built a campaign to win. We lead in New Hampshire in endorsements from state legislators, local leaders. We've built an incredible team here that's got a lot of objective respect for what we're doing, how we're investing in the Granite State. But we didn't have the money to grow our campaign in the fourth quarter, and we really need those resources. So, look, midnight Monday, tomorrow night, we will make a decision. Did we hit our goal? And so we're just asking people. And the, turn, the response has been overwhelming. All over this country, every single state, people have said, you know what? I still want your voice in this race. I don't want to see you have to exit. So people, I hope they'll go to coreybooker.com, give $3, keep me in this fight, because if I have the resources, we're going to use them and invest them here to build out our campaign, get our message out. And I believe Get the spirit out of our country, that our party can't be about what we're against. It's got to be about what we're for. Our party needs to be able to unite all Democrats and unite this nation, because the goal isn't to beat Republicans. The goal is to unite Americans to get big things done. That's the spirit I'm going to bring, and I hope if people want that voice, that they'll give a few dollars to help me stay in it. You mentioned some of the endorsements that you're leading there. Uh, clearly, the people who are paying lots and lots of attention to this race uh, like you a lot. Uh, you're not yet to see that sort of build in the polls. Is there a marker where you need to see a certain amount of progress in polls here uh, in order to make a decision in terms of whether your campaign is viable? Well, God, no, and this is why I love uh, New Hampshire. I mean, they have basically said polls be damned. In fact, every in our lifetime, every single person in the Democratic Party who's gone on to be president has always been way behind at the polls in this point. Long shots that, that New Hampshire, like Carter was barely polling at 1% now. New Hampshire sent him to the White House. He won here. Uh, you have people like Bill Clinton. He was the comeback kid here, uh, thanks to New Hampshire, uh, as well as Barack Obama, who at this point was almost 20 points behind Hillary Clinton, behind her in African-American votes. But this was one of those states, uh, Iowa as well, that helped to propel him to the presidency. So we have lots of time. I need to stay in it. I need to keep fighting, and I hope people will help me get the resources to do that. Can you guarantee people are going to be able to vote for you here in the first of the nation primary? I can guarantee that if we meet this goal, we're going to be a long way there, but I need your help to do it. Uh, everyone in New Hampshire has more influence over this race than they know. And by not just saying, I'm going to vote for this person, but being willing to give $3. And even if you're not all in for one person, keep the candidates in this because we're competing, guys like me who are new on the national scene, against people who have 100% name recognition, like Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders, and they're going to get a lot more resources than us. We're going to run a scrappy 
campaign, doing more with less than they are, but we need your help. And so if you believe in me or believe that I should at least stay in this, I hope you'll be a part of our campaign in some way, especially going to CoreyBooker.com. Medicare for All has taken some hits lately, uh, some skepticism. People have asked, how are you going to pay for all of this? Uh, you've kind of taken a, a modified position saying you want to get to Medicare for All, but you're open to a public option uh, and building along the way. But how do you get to Medicare for All when so many of your Senate colleagues, Democrats, uh, say they don't support it? Well, that's why I'm a fierce pragmatist. I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. I'm going to make sure that we have, every day that I am president, I'm going to bring down your prescription drug costs, your health care costs, and I'm going to get us to more and more people having the goal that I want, really, is that health care is a right and everybody has coverage. And so, yeah, there are steps there. Day one, I'm taking actions to lower prescription drug costs. Day one, I'm going to start saying, okay, do we have the votes to do something big and bold or should the first thing we do be a common sense public option? We were one vote away from lowering Medicare eligibility to 55. That would have actually lowered the cost in private pools by pulling older citizens uh, into the uh, public option and lowering the costs. So there's so many things I can do from day one that are gonna make Granite Staters' lives better, but that's my mission. When I was mayor of the city of Newark, I would never sacrifice progress on the altar of purity. Uh, we, we need people who want progress now. They don't have time to wait for my ideal. And so yeah, my ideal, every American as a right has healthcare. But in the meantime, I'm gonna lower your costs. In the meantime, I'm gonna expand a, a public option. In the meantime, I'm gonna do the things on preventative care that we're not doing. Heck, food deserts, here, PFAS in the water. I mean, these are things I can do to help people before they get sick. So if you're a Granite Stater, one thing you're gonna know about me, I'm a fighter. I'm gonna make your lives better every single day. It may not be right away, we may not have the votes for the bold changes. I might have to wait till the midterm election till we can get some more senators elected. But I know the call in our country has to be certain basic things. If you're an American, you should have healthcare, great public schools, work with dignity that pays a living wage or more, and the ability to retire with security. These are some common sense things that should be a right to every American. On that pragmatic front, uh, in terms of dealing with climate change, you said you're open to expanding the use of nuclear power. Uh, if there are going to be more nuclear power plants being built in this country, how do you ensure uh, the environmental justice aspect of that, that those plants aren't sited in communities that typically bear the brunt uh, of our energy needs and aren't impacting people's health? So the first time I heard somebody say they want to expand nuclear power, I was like, heck no, look at Fukushima, look at uh, uh, Chernobyl. This is what we need to understand because it's a little different than the way you put it. Number one, right now, 50%, more than 50% of our non-carbon producing power is nuclear. So some presidential candidates want to get rid of that. And I'm like, what are you going to set us back? Places have done it, like Vermont. Uh, they've gotten rid of some of their nuclear. They had to go back to be more dependent on coal. The crisis, the urgency, the danger is climate change. We can't step back before we go forward. Nuclear is going to have to be part of the blend for a while. But when you talk about new nuclear, this is what I want you to tell people is that actually our science has changed a lot since the 70s and 80s since they were building those plants. Next generation nuclear is out of science fiction. I'm, I'm, it's amazing. No risks for meltdowns. They, they don't, not only do they not have the kind of fuel rods and waste that these produce, but they actually have made times to take old fuel rods and to reuse them. There's incredible breakthroughs going on right now. And so we can't be a nation that's afraid of the future. We need to define the future through our innovations, through our research. I want to see climate breakthroughs on everything from solar 
to battery life storage, to ways to pull carbon out of the air that we're not doing right now with, with innovations in concrete that could actually pull carbon out of the air. I am a, a young candidate. I'll be the first ex-gener ever to be elected the, the president of the United States. It'll be a quarter century before I'm this president's age. And I'm telling you right now, I'm bringing new ideas, new energy, and I'm going to help this country not just embrace the bold possibilities of the future, but America, we're going to define it and we're going to get there first. All right, Senator Booker, uh, thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us for WMUR's The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. If you have a moment and can write a review or subscribe to this podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it. You can also find us on WMUR.com and our free WMUR app 24-7. See you for the next episode of this podcast next week.